as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. With our region's auto theft task force, Brownsville PD investigator Martin Sandoval joining us on the morning news. Appreciate your time, investigator. Now, I understand a few days back there was a big bust up of a gang stealing vehicles and sending that merchandise into Mexico. What can you tell me about that big bust up? Uh, we can actually confirm that there were actually four vehicles stolen from this group here in Bronzeville. Uh, McAllen also had a couple of vehicles that they sent warrants down here for them as well. Uh, this, and these individuals, uh, would travel from city to city. They're originally from Houston hmm. and they would park in, uh, parking lots, especially like malls, heavy traffic areas. And they had this sophisticated, uh, uh, computer and everything where they would code their own keys to the vehicles. And that's, that's how they took the vehicle. Wow. How big was that gang, Martin? So right now we have three people that were actually, uh, you know, arrested. Uh, there is a possibility there might be more or, you know, our auto theft detectives are still working this case. It's still ongoing. Uh, we're going to make sure that we, you know, turn over every rock and look at every single aspect of this case. And if there's any more people involved, we should be able to catch them. You said coding keys from a distance. So is there anything that truck owners, SUV owners, vehicle owners can do to to protect their vehicles from oh, most, this type of crime? Most definitely. Most definitely. There's other things to, to uh, uh, deter. I mean, prevention is, is really hard, but deterrence is even better. Uh, Great ways to deter people from stealing your vehicle. Number one is, is the old-fashioned one, the club, where you can put it on your steering wheel. Mm-hmm. That's a very good one. They can buy it at any uh, auto parts store. Uh, second thing is you can actually have them an aftermarket kill switch, which means that you, you're the only person that knows where that switch is, and you can turn it off and on when you leave the vehicle. That way, if they have keys, they can't turn on your vehicle without turning on that switch first. The wow. third thing is... Um, aftermarket alarm systems. Uh, I know many of us, we, we think we have an alarm when we buy a new car, but do a simple check. Why don't, when you get out of your car, go ahead and use your remote to lock it. Once it locks, <coughs> use the actual key and open the door. If the alarm sounds, then you have an alarm system. If there is no alarm, then you only have a keyless entry and you need an alarm system. <laughs> Investigator Martin Sandoval with Brownsville PD, your guest. Yeah, Investigator Tim Sullivan here. These three guys from Houston who were arrested recently, um, from reading more into this, it, they were able to steal these trucks like within a matter of minutes. It, it seems auto theft has gone high-tech, as you alluded to. Can you talk more about the devices these criminals are able to obtain and and how they're used to uh, to rip off you know, even even the newest uh, vehicles. 
this was a, a very sophisticated criminal organization because uh, they had their their uh, computer ready and they had a coding system. Plus, they also had uh, decoy keys. Uh, a lot of yeah, but what are these be- computers and coding uh, models? What what are those? When did they start uh, <laughs> becoming available to criminals and that sort of thing? Some of these items are actually purchased legally, but you got to have some type of locksmith uh, or either uh, an auto dealership permit to buy these uh, instruments. And it's very simple. All it is is with that system, the computer, you know how everything is pretty much wireless, Wi-Fi and all that good stuff now with all this technology. They managed to get your codes and then they program one of their keys. And then from there, they can just go unlock your vehicle and turn it on like like nothing. In three to five minutes, they, they take your vehicle. And since we are border towns, within a matter of 10 minutes after that, they're already in Mexico. Sure, sure. So these uh, coders or these computer modules are, what What do they do? Do they, they scan the alarm systems somehow or... Some actually do scan uh, your 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 alarm system, but when you press your key, it sends out a code. Others are actually uh, have codes that are embedded in their system. How they get these codes is is beyond us right now, which is part of the investigation. If they were able to get codes from somewhere else, because uh, like I said, some locksmiths have codes, some uh, even manufacturers have codes to vehicles, but th- these are trusted individuals. Uh, if these individuals were either scanning or actually had the codes, that is yet to be found when uh, our search warrant is complete of their computer. And then they can make the keys right right then and there. Oh, yes. They, they make the keys right then and there. Uh, like anyone can buy any set of spare keys. It's just that you need a locksmith or, or your dealership to actually program your key to work for your car. And these criminals found a way to program their own keys. Fascinating. I think I also know what Tim is fishing for. Are these devices they're using, are they able to intercept the code? When you press lock and it's transmitting to your truck to lock your truck, are they able to intercept that code as it's broadcast? Yes. There there are some instruments out there that can actually intercept your code when you are are locking your your vehicle. Wow. And I know a lot of uh, manufacturers have gone – to rotating frequencies and they've done a lot more stuff but as they as technology progresses to mm-hmm. prevent this the criminals also progress with technology mm-hmm. so and we then you always try to stay one step ahead exactly of them. yep yeah, this is that's that's what's happened here the criminals got a step ahead of law enforcement for a bit and now law enforcement's getting a step ahead of them and it's it's going to be amazing to see what comes next investigator martin Saldoval, brazil pd or south texas auto theft task force a big bust up of a high-tech gang stealing trucks and SUVs and all that. Uh, would take me to the vehicles that they were targeting. I, ke- I keep saying trucks and SUVs because they seem to be more the most popular, but was there a specific brand or a specific line of vehicle that this gang uh, went after? This was... This would make this gang very, very sophisticated, this criminal organization, because there was no specific brand, no specific vehicle. They were targeting everything, GMC, Chevys, Fords, uh, Dodge. It, it didn't matter. They had clone keys to many different types of vehicles. So that's what really made it interesting for us. As a member of the South Texas Auto Theft Task Force, and I believe you guys are HQ for that, is there, a similar question, is there a popular make a vehicle uh, for these 
auto thieves? Is it still SUVs and trucks? Or they're just taking, like you said, in this little gang, they're taking everything. Because I, I know you're, you're always reporting those trends. Yes. Uh, usually when there's a trend, it just depends on what vehicles they've actually overcome the security systems with. Okay. Uh, it, one year it might be the, the Ford F-150s. The next year is going to be the Chevy Silverados. It just depends on, on how high tech they get and which one have they, which security have they broken. Well, it turns out with this one, they actually broke security to all of them. So they were just taking everything that they found. I've got one minute left, investigator. If you could just mm -hmm. quickly explain, you know, because we are at the border and all this merchandise winds up in criminal hands just south of the border, there is a cartel, I would imagine, a, a cartel fingerprint to all this as well. They must be in bed, right? That is something we are definitely looking into. But as far as right now, we cannot actually confirm 100 percent simply because these individuals have exercised their right of, of not to talk and they requested an attorney. So uh, that's an angle that we're also trying to work out, especially with other cities and other agencies. Where do folks find the statistics that you all accumulate with the auto theft task force for the region? Where do, where do we find that, Martin? Well, we find a lot of times that, uh, like for, for Bronzeville, the motor theft, uh, the theft of motor vehicles, last year's statistics, there's one every 2.8 days. Uh, we had 132 vehicles stolen last year in Bronzeville, which was a very slight increase. Um, I know other cities have had increase or decreases. It just depends on the criminal itself, the criminal element, what, it, what exactly they're looking for and where they're going to go. And since we do live in a border town, our numbers for uh, motor vehicle thefts are going to be higher. Martin, appreciate uh, the report. Investigator with our Auto Theft Task Force here in the region with Brownsville PD, Martin Sandoval. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it, it's free. And we say good morning to a friend of the stations, Rowdy Rowdy, as I lovingly refer to him. Raudel Garza is now the former Economic Development Director for Harlingen and the incoming Director for EDC in Edinburgh. Rowdy, welcome back to KURV. Let's do a quick look back to the highlights, the feathers in that cap of yours at Harlingen. What are you most proud of? And I know you had a success story there towards the end as well. Oh, uh... Good morning, Sergio. Morning, um, brother. The biggest thing, I guess, uh, is really just being able to um, manage a fairly large budget and bring in some new companies while I was there. 
Um, you know, one of the bigger ones was probably uh, strategic behavioral health. Um, it was a uh, there was a big lack of uh, of mental health facilities in the Cameron County at that time, and so uh, being able to recruit a company out of Tennessee to come in and open up and really do a, a great job in hiring a lot of people was a was a big one. Um, some of the back office operations, um, either helping them expand, such as ACT and Spectrum, or bringing in new ones like Wallphone and Taskus, those were some of our bigger ones. Um, Prime Healthcare is another one that we continue to work with over the, the years. Uh, and continuing to work with ULA, ITD, a bunch of the manufacturers that are out there, just making sure that um, even through the pandemic, they were able to not only be in operation, but continue to try to, to grow. There's so much potential in the Mid Valley, Harlingen, with of course the airport. As, as we've been honored to to say in some of these marketing messages, with with the port, you know, the, the sea port, the airport, the the highway, everything that's there. What would you say is the low hanging fruit for for Harlingen? Is it health? Is it aerospace? What would be a, a, a juicy plum for Harlingen to land near future? Well, Harlington has the ability to attract a, a large aerospace company. They've got a lot of land. There's about 480 acres on the east side of the airport that's available. And uh, so aerospace and, and aeronautical, uh, you know, type of operations, uh, maintenance and repair operations, and also uh, healthcare. That's the other big one. Uh, because yeah, in healthcare, uh, probably more than uh, 35% of the employees in Harlington are somehow working in the healthcare industry. So that's a big one. And they're going to continue to grow uh, that sector because of some of the projects that uh, we started off on and uh, some of the things that are going to continue uh, over the next few years. He's the incoming new director at Edinburgh Economic Development, now the former director for Harlingen EDC, Raudel Garza. Now, Mr. Garza, Tim Sullivan here. I know this can be kind of a sensitive question, but... Let me ask, did you apply for the Edinburgh job first, or did Edinburgh seek you out? Because knowing all of your valley-wide experience, because you have been around in terms of uh, economic development across the valley. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that it's sensitive. I I think that uh, it's just a matter of, you know, I've got to know a lot of the people in the valley uh, that are in those positions where, uh, they're either sitting on boards or they're elected officials uh, throughout the years. And, you know, I've had discussions with some of them. And uh, uh, But really, it was more my wife than anybody because she wanted me closer to home. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> um, she asked me to, to really consider Edinburgh, and um, I did. So here I am. Yeah. What <laughs> do I'm you thankful s- for it. What do you see ahead for Edinburgh in terms of the type of companies you'll be working to attract the type of companies that would be a good fit for Edinburgh? You know, Edinburgh and Harlingen are similar in that they both have a very large healthcare industry. Um, Edinburgh has DHR and South Texas uh, Health Systems and quite a few other uh, health-related industries. So um, healthcare is going to be one of them, but uh, we have a large uh, amount of land in the North Industrial Park in Edinburgh, and the airport is just ready to grow as well. So I'll be focusing on a lot of the similar type of industries, you know, healthcare um, and and manufacturing, but also um, Edinburgh has a, a great downtown. There's a mm-hmm. big revitalization going on with the new courthouse and, of course, uh, everything that's going on with the new amphitheater that opened up right next to the city hall. And 
connection to UTRGV. So, I mean, really excited about all those great possibilities. If we work together as a region, Brother Rodelgarza, he's the incoming director for Edinburgh Economic Development. If we were to work together as a region and sell Cameron and Hidalgo County as one major region, look at the young workforce, the assets on the ground, the companies that are here, the potential investment at the local level and by state, do you think maybe that's what we need to land those big headlines that we hear from Kansas, from New York, other places, battery plants, electric vehicle plants, pharmaceutical plants, medical-related industry that's coming from Asia back to the U.S. What, what's it, what is it going to take for us to finally land something like that for this region and help in part transform the economy with the huge billion-plus dollar investment like that? Well, I think a lot of us are working on, on workforce development. Uh, we got to have the workforce that's available for those type of companies or those type of positions. And so, uh, you know, UTRGV, STC, TSCC, all the other uh, higher ed institutions are all working uh, together to try to make sure our workforce is ready for those type of future industries. Um, you know, the battery plants, a lot of it has to do with logistics too, but uh, we got to have a large chunk of property uh, and a lot of power. And so the Rio Grande Valley as a there whole has suffered in terms of power yep. generation. And so we're, we're trying to attract more power generation as well. Yep. The more reliable your electricity is, then the more likely you're going to attract some of those larger manufacturers. Are we lacking rail capacity as well? I mean, I heard that comment a long time ago that we're lacking on, on rail capacity to transport all, um, you know, any auto, any no, we've bicycles. Got, no, we've got rail coming into the valley. And so, you know, Union Pacific handles most of the rail north and south and, and then Kansas City Southern go in, into Mexico. But uh, more more than anything, it's a rail serve properties. So properties along the railroad track where they can have easy access to the rail uh, being able to assemble those properties and being able to get uh, large chunks of the land in, in one piece that have infrastructure, that's really the tough challenge is making sure that the highways are there, the infrastructure in terms of water, sewer, and, and electricity and tele- telecom is all there. If you have all those, then it makes it a lot easier. Uh, but, the, but the main thing is the labor force. And the larger we get and as a region – the better like uh, our, our odds are of really landing those type of companies. And just looking and at it's it, looking really, really good. Yeah, well, just looking at it from uh, uh, the Eagles' part, you mentioned the the higher education, and of course, local school districts also doing their part to help prepare the workforce. I think with a young workforce, the, the labor situation could be uh, can be provided relatively easy and you know, set up contracts to train these new workers. I, I think that the tough one would be power. Uh, to get those power generators down here. Do we need help from the state of Texas to help develop those power plants down here, stage them down here, so that we can get anything from, you know, an assemb- huge assembly line or maybe even like a, a smelter, like a, a steel maker at the port? Well, the Port of Brownsville is working on something like that, obviously, but, I mean, um, you know, Calpine is, and uh, quite, quite a few other uh, power generators are here locally and trying to expand, but, I mean... There's a possibility of, of attracting those power generators. It's just that it's a very expensive undertaking, and and so um, well. The, the, the reason I ask you, Ravi, sure because I know I know state lawmakers. Well, I suspect I don't know, but I suspect state lawmakers they still need to wrestle with power generation issues because of the grid embarrassment um, a couple years back. 
they're probably going to find try to find new power generation uh, places or, or backups. Uh, that that might be something that we can argue with state lawmakers. If you're going to set some new power generation stations, do it in the valley because we get a twofold benefit. We can you know help on the EDC side for job creation, and of course help out the grid as well. What do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that the valley has been overlooked in a lot of, of those type of, of activities in terms of uh, Austin. You know, we have an, a state incentive programs that are basically equally shared along everybody uh, in the state. And the urban areas always have that advantage over the, the more rural areas. And yes, we're getting urbanized, but we're still considered fairly rural because we've got, uh, you know, a, a, a spread out population. But we we shouldn't be treated the same way as Dallas Fort Worth area or the Houston area is in terms of incentives. And, and that I, I mean, incentives that are at the state level, yeah. uh, they should be sending us more those, money. Yes, sir. Those big um, politicals, they come you know, through the area, you know, campaigning down here. Yeah. Put a bug in their ear. Hey, uh, think about the future. You're going to have new power plants. Set them up in the Valley. Rowdy, thank you for your time and best of luck to you in Edinburgh. He's a new director for Edinburgh EDC. Garza. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. In the event there's a tropical system in the Gulf of Mexico... Turning this way, you want to keep it tuned to 710-KURV. Stay informed during hurricane season. Tropical coverage 2022 on air and online at KURV.com. Made possible by Mike's Plumbing, Electrical, and AC, Vega Roofing, McAfee Insurance, and Elephant Building Materials. Let's go to City Hall, Brownsville. Our city manager, Helen Ramirez, chiming in with some economic development news for you. So what's the good news, Helen? Yes. Hi, good morning. The Greater Brownsville Incentive Corporation has uh, North Brownsville Industrial Park, Logistical Park, here in Osparez's line and what will be the Interstate 169. And they are going to have a groundbreaking on Thursday at 10 a.m. on a 64,000 square foot logistical company. It is a company that has been in Brownsville for a long time. Uh, and what they needed to do was really consolidate some of their properties and expand um, on a lot. They were able to purchase it from the Economic Development Corporation, of which I was the former uh, CEO and executive director. And really now we're seeing the park take off. You okay. know, what we're seeing is the park that was owned by uh, the EDC Type A Development Corporation. This is the second... Um, development on that property. The first one was an injection molding company, and there's going to be a spec building, an 80,000 square foot uh, industrial spec building. So really, you're seeing the development of up to five properties there. 
um, in, in the recent year and a half, two years. So it's really great to see that momentum under the leadership of Connie Miner, the new interim executive director. How much more space is there to develop? How many more acres do you have at the North Brownsville Industrial Park to host more industry? Well, not much more. I would say, you know, now with the with these uh, two companies coming in and uh, there's been the spec building and I think another three properties that have been that are either have been sold or in the development of being sold, the, you know, the phasing of development to be sold recently, you know, there may be, I think, three, three more properties available. Um, and they're different sizes. There's from two and a half acres to five acres to even um, 10 acres. So there's still the possibility if someone's interested to contact the city or the greater Brownsville Industrial Park and still, um, still see the availability there. But what I really like, it's a really good size. It's a 72-acre park. It was developed by the uh, GPIC itself. Uh, so um, they're actually putting in, you know, sidewalks and landscaping. They're going to redo the signage. Um, there's actually a, a, a bike trail, a battlefield trail, actually um, is on the perimeter. And actually, you're going to be able to either um, drive there or even bike there as an employee. So it really... It's kind of a next generation, I would say. Industrial parks can be nice, right? It can look nice, have a great look and feel. And it's really good to see the EDC really gave it a nice feel. Also, it's very, it's, there's concrete roads. So in terms for, uh, in terms of trucking uses, um, you know, it's something that, uh, it doesn't wear as, as much as asphalt. And so it's just really proud of, of the EDC and where it's going with that part. Um, and the fact that the an Economic Development Corporation has a park to still develop, in addition to the large 729-acre uh, World Trade Center park that they're doing right next door. So, you know, you can you can maybe look at, if you need a two-acre lot or a five-acre lot, a 10-acre lot, or a 100-acre lot, you're going to have that availability within this area. Very involved in economic development issues. Our city manager for Brownsville, Helen Ramirez, our guest right now. So if we're almost tapped out with the North Brownsville Industrial Park, is there talk for another one? Do we need another one? And if so, where do we put it? So the the Greater Brownsville Senate Corporation owns another 729 acres, and it went through a request for interest process for a master developer with the World Trade Center. They're the largest um, intermodal company in Mexico. Um, and what they are doing is right now negotiating in negotiations for the development of that large area. And it's, it's those public-private partnerships work well because they're able to, with their equity, put in the infrastructure up front, the new roads and the new drainage and water, wastewater, electrical that is needed to develop the park. So they're already in that, in the phases of, they've already gone through an RFI. They're in the negotiations to hopefully be able to develop the park, which is right next door. So it does still have frontage up on it is and on 169. And you know what the great thing about that is they're probably going to subdivide it into different size lots. So you'll have that ability to either, you know, accommodate a very large company, um, even from a million square feet to maybe even 50,000 square feet. So um, you're going to have a lot of flexibility there. And that's right next to this industrial park. Okay. So 
um, it was a really good strategy. And this, the I-169, which is also a State Highway 550, that is a straight shoot to the Port of Brownsville. I was going to say, so close what, enough. You know, the Port of Brownsville is such a great economic engine. Yeah. It's a straight shoot over there. And okay. actually, they're going to have land probably for lease and for sale. Have you noticed a new energy? Is there a new industry or like what is driving the growth at the industrial park or now parks? What's going on in, in, in Brownsville? What's driving the growth? Well, I think first of all, we were, we, you know, there's a really high demand. I mean, if you talk to industrial brokers here, we have from like less than from the zero to 5% vacancy rate on industrial property, even the Brownsville um, airport, has about, uh, you know, has, I would say, you know, over 60 tenants there. It has a, quite a few tenants, including SpaceX, that occupy industrial property um, in it. We just have one uh, property for lease uh, there. Uh, it's about 20,000 square feet that's available. But other than that, the build, all the buildings in and around that is, is leased out. What I like about it, so there's, there's a huge demand. And what's driving it? I think the economy, you know, you could, you've seen recent uptick, uh, in the last coming years, four years in the economy, um, also good leadership, city leadership with Mayor Mendez and the city commission, having the right administration, the EDC. And so all those factors, all those things factor in. And also what I also like about what's happening is that there are different sectors from, you know, uh, technology, uh, to logistical uh, freight forwarding, uh, to injection plastic molding. You have companies that even during COVID, I remember Rich Products telling us that during COVID, they had this partnership with, uh, they make uh, CPAC and different types of frozen, um, you know, different seafood. And so, of course, no one really, you know, went to restaurants during COVID. That was one of their highest grossing uh, times in the history of the company. Uh, they partnered with Budweiser to, to do a certain type of batter. It went really well. And, um, and then they expanded into a new advanced manufacturing line. And I think they're doing their second one now. So existing companies are expanding and they're, they're compressed for space. So they're looking for new space to locate. And that's what's happened to AMSCO, the company that's going to have their ground, groundbreaking on Thursday. We invite everybody to come. It's at 10 a.m. at the North Brownsville Industrial Park, but it's it's really a great time, and the fact that we have the ability to offer land as an economic development corporation and almost up to a thousand acres, I mean that's unheard of. It's very hard to 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 have that in the state of Texas, so it really uh, allows us to have an advantage. We also have the Union Pacific Railroad rail spur, which is also um, an opportunity there for development. All right. Continued success, Helen. Thank you for the heads up. Helen Ramirez, or city manager for Brownsville. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. 
It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710-KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710-KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710-KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Hidalgo County Judge Richard Cortez elected for another term and joins us on the Valley's morning news. Congratulations, Richard. Appreciate your time this morning. So, all right, Judge, you're going to. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Good morning. You're going to be around to cut the ribbon for the new courthouse. When does that happen? Well, we're we're in the middle of trying to complete all the small details that are left and start moving people in. We'll start moving people in primarily maybe late this month, all throughout December. And it's our hope that by January the 2nd, January 3rd, will be full operational. Terrific. Top projects you're looking forward to resolving for the county, Judge. What are you looking at for the next four years? Well, you know, Sarah, we we have our hands full with a, with a lot of stuff. You know, for uh, we we were out of compliance, and actually, technically, we're still out of compliance on our jail capacity. We just entered into a lease agreement with Willis County for 568 beds. We're not using it for a jail yet. We have to go ahead and get it up up to speed in order for us to do that. That that's a concern because you know we have no control over how many people commit crimes and. We receive prisoners from all over the place, and we're mandated mandated to have to have those uh, those jail beds. So that's an important consideration. Uh, then, for the first time in than ever, I mean, ever since I was mayor of McAllen and involved with, with any kind of governmental activity, you know, we never paid for ambulance service, and then all of a sudden, here we go. Now they're asking for millions of dollars to be able to provide for ambulance services, uh, which which was, again, a, a shock and an unexpected expense. We're going to have to figure that out. Drainage is always a growing concern. Uh, you know, we have urban areas in unincorporated uh, cities. Uh, we're, we're, we're growing very rapidly in, in the outskirts of municipalities. We have to figure out, you know, how to manage that. Uh, you know, last night we had a, a public hearing on trying to, to come up with send with a sanitation program, uh, counties are not like cities. We do not have the power to enforce certain ordinances. Uh, so we're hoping that, uh, if, you know, we receive a positive benefit, um, positive, uh, comments from the people that they want the service, we think, we think it's important, it's necessary, it, it, it helps everybody that we can convince Austin to help us give us the power to be able to to enforce, you know, something like that. So that that's very important. Uh, then uh, unattended animals. Uh, you know, we all know that, that, you know, some of our shelters here that, that take care of our, of our, of our unattended pets are, are, are busting by the seams. Uh, we're just having too many of them. And again, we're going to have to figure out, you know, how to manage those. And, uh, and among others, but the most important one that, that I feel we're going to receive a lot of benefits. Uh, I put together what's called the Prosperity Passport. We started it a couple of years ago, and, and 
in, in February. And then, of course, the pandemic hit in March and it kind of put a stop to everything. But we have a very high percentage of people in, in poverty in Hidalgo County when you compare us to the percentage in the United States and the percentage in Texas. So we need to address the problem. We need to figure out what's going on. And we put on a, a, a task force that I'm extremely pleased with. We have some really talented people. Uh, we have a lot of people that really care about the community, care about solving the problem. So I'm looking forward to some, a lot Perfect. of successes as, as that process matures. Hidalgo yeah. County Judge Richard Cortez, re-elected Judge Richard Cortez, our guest. Yeah, Judge uh, Tim Sullivan here. At the start of your first term, you laid out several priorities that you, you plan to tackle. And, and you, know, you mentioned back then flood control, health care access, poverty. Do you feel you were able to make some good inroads on those issues the past four years? I think so. Uh, I think so. You know, things, uh, things take, uh, take a lot of time. And unfortunately, you know, for all of us, not only for me, for all of us, um, I mean, we, we went through some pretty dim years here with, with the pandemic, you know, the freeze, the, the flood, the hurricane. I mean, there were a lot of negative things that, 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 that came into play with that. But yes, I feel very comfortable and very enthused. Uh, the four commissioners and I are working very well together uh when we disagree we disagree respectfully uh we try to look at all uh, situations uh, with with a lot of care and thought and try to get the best information uh and the answer is yes i i think as drainage we've done a lot of our projects we are in progress a lot of them are completed so that's moving along we're almost there with the courthouse you know again you know we entered it i think a great lease with willis county if, if, if you if you if you think that we could have solved the problem by building a new jail, well, it would have been it, we would have added almost the equal amount of debt that we have today as the county as a whole. We would have to add the equal amount of money to build a new jail. Uh, so that I mean that would have been disaster. So so we're working on those things and on this poverty issue again. Uh, you know, we've had some, some bumps in the road. Uh, you know, we received some money for this CARES Act and we tried to distribute it to the people in need. And, uh, and there were bumps. I mean, we, we had to return $12 million for, I mean, we couldn't get people to sign up for it and, and do the take the necessary steps to receive it. So we're working on, on solving all those problems and hopefully we become in a, an efficient and effective way of, Passing this benefit, you know, to the people in need and still at a difficult time, you know, control the, the, the increase in taxes. Uh, I mean, when you have gasoline going up, uh, power going up, uh, construction materials going up, I mean, you know, where do you make this up? I mean, where, where do you, where do you make this up? So that's why you get, you get rewarded for efficiency and you get penalized for inefficiency and we're trying to eliminate our inefficiency. Process. All right, that'll go County Judge Richard Cortez. We've got about one minute left with you, Judge. I look forward to speaking with you again on this Prosperity Task Force. That sounds intriguing to get certain people and maybe education, it, economic it, development, all, those, all that. Yeah. You know. what, when you see how we organize it and put it together and the people involved, uh, it'll bring a smile to your, to your face. When do you have, uh, when do you plan to? 
uh, maybe finalize that task force and then get them up and oh, running? It's, it's already in place. Okay. We broke it down in eight subgroups. Uh, you know, I'll be happy to tell you more about it uh, yeah. about it at another time. But yeah, no, we, we broke it down into eight subgroups. You know, I said, look, we need counselors to tell us, you know, what is the best journey course for people that we want that we want to create human capital, move them out of poverty. Yeah, we need to have the financial part of it. We need to have mentors. We need to have people do the actual training. And when you finish the whole process, there has to be a yes, job, sir. and it has to be a job. The key is education. Pays, you know, yes, sir. The time to wages. So mm-hmm. it, it's. It's, it's complicated, but yet not impossible. Well, thank God we live in this country and we got the resources for it. It's it just hopefully we can provide and steer our, our local folks in the other county in the right direction. Well, Judge, thanks for your time this morning. That's Hidalgo County reelected Judge Richard Cortez. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids. They're running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.